C3 Powerhouse, what a joy it is to have Pastor Corey Turner with us again. If you have never met Pastor Corey, uh, he's been ministering and pastoring for years. He's planted churches. He's itinerated around the world. Uh, he leads uh, Numa Church alongside his wife, Simone, in the city of Melbourne in locations globally. Uh, he, he carries this breakthrough revival spirit on him that his church, you know, pretty much, and he was t sharing it last night, and he'll probably t talk some more tonight, but has been in revival over the last seven weeks. Uh, 300 verified miracles, seven people healed from cancer, uh, and there's, a, there's something on his life, and I'm delighted, Pastor Corey, that God's connected us, delighted that you're here with us. And so we want to welcome you, honour the grace of God that's on your life. We're ready. We're hungry. Let's go. Thank you. How is everyone? We're good. I want to invite you to go with me to Mark chapter 8, verse 14 to 21. And... Uh, as uh, we just are turning there, I just want to say a massive thank you to Pastor John and Pastor Danielle and the team here. You, you guys are quickly becoming family. And uh, isn't it amazing? You can never have met people before and literally because of the Spirit of God and the blood of Jesus and being a part of uh, the family of God, there's just deep calls to deep, spirit calls to spirit. And uh, we, we just had a, a wonderful morning with um, uh, your pastors and the team and just uh, hearing of what God is doing here, and it's just been so good. So thank you so much for your, your generosity and your hospitality. It's just been so beautiful. Come on, honor your pastors. They're absolutely amazing champions. Mark chapter 8, verse 14 to 21. He's still awake? The night is young. The night is young. We've been going to like 11 p.m., like nearly midnight at our church, and and uh, there's an anointing on me for long services, but we are not going to keep you. We're not going to keep you long tonight because we'll all get hungry. We need to go eat. Uh, but hey, I just think there's something, you know, one of the things that I think, uh, you know, and Pastor John alluded to it before is, is um, we're, we're such an instant culture and we're so programmed, you know, two song sandwich into the word and uh, out the door burp you at the back door and send you on your way, that um, not in this church, a church down the road, if you're from the church down the road, a church down the rest of the road, and, uh, but if you're from another church, we welcome you here, but, 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 but hey, it, it, so often we're programmed into conventional sort of expressions of Christianity, sometimes we don't know what to do when like God shows up and we're like, we've got to linger, and, and the Lord wants to extend your prayer time at home from 10 minutes to double it, 20 minutes, you get really radical, 40 minutes, and, uh, and, and, and when, you, when you begin to press into this, it, it, you'll find your appetite grows, um, and, and, and the more you feed on the Spirit of God, your hunger and your appetite will grow, and, and, and your threshold, your capacity to actually be intimate with God and carry His grace will grow in your life. And so I think it's good sometimes. We've spent years watching TV. I think it's good we spend a bit of time in the presence of God. And uh, Mark 18, verse 14. Now they, the disciples, had forgotten to bring bread. And they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. 
And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? Note this. They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? I want to speak to you for a few minutes on the miracle mindset. The miracle mindset. Uh, Early last year, uh, I received a number of phone calls uh, on a uh, Monday morning on my Sabbath, on my day off, um, from uh, my uh, father's next door neighbor that said, sorry, just the, um, the anointing of the wind of the Spirit of God is getting on my Bible, uh, that um, said my father had, um, had a stroke, and it was his second stroke in 20 years. And uh, he'd been uh, rushed to hospital in an ambulance, and, uh, and paramedics came. And uh, so when I eventually got to my dad about an hour and a half later because of where I was, um, walked into the emergency room and my father was completely paralyzed uh, down one side of his body. And this was the second stroke that I witnessed that I saw him uh, having in 20 years. The last one was when I was at home and he had a stroke at the dinner table and, um, and he could not respond to me. And the doctors were uh, looking very nervous as they're rushing around doing what they needed to do. And the next door neighbor was there and she was really upset, uh, a nominal uh, believer, but uh, in her own way was sort of crying out to God to, uh, for, 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 for God to heal my dad. And uh, as I'm there, obviously, I, 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 I move in healing, I preach on healing, we preach on the supernatural. And then when it comes home to your household, it's like, God, right about now, everything I've learned, everything I've prayed, everything that you, I've seen you do, I need you to do in my dad's life. My mum had died six years earlier of a lung disease, and my dad was raising my niece as his granddaughter because of the situation with my sister in and out of prison, which now has completely reversed. Thank you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. And so, really simply... I prayed a simple prayer, laid hands on his head as all the nurses and doctors are working around him. And as I prayed, I declared the name of Jesus, didn't feel anything, and nothing happened. And how many of us have read the scriptures of Jesus healing? You might have read a book or two. You've heard other people have stories. And when it comes to you and you pray, you see nothing happen. Be honest, right? We've all been there, okay? And, and so they took my dad uh, to uh, a CT scan to find out more of what's going on in his brain. And as I'm there waiting for him to return, I'm like, God, where are you now? Has anyone ever asked that question? God, where are you now? Uh, right about now, God, it'd be good for like all the sermons I've ever preached on healing to actually kick in. And something's to shift in this moment. And, uh, and as I began to pray, and I called my wife, and I said, 
this is bad. This is not good. This is different to 20 years ago. Something has really gone wrong here. And uh, the doctors came in in the meantime saying it could be months and years of rehabilitation. We just don't know to the impact of this. This is no exaggeration, but within 30 minutes, they wheeled my dad back in on a stretcher. He was sitting upright on his hospital gurney. He had a smile on his face and the paralyzed side of his body. He was waving his left arm around and he was saying, how are you, son? I said, I'm very good now. Thank you, Jesus. And the doctors, the, the nurse was white because she'd been with him the whole time while he was getting the scan. And the doctor came in and, and said to me, we can't explain it. We don't understand it. But during the scan, he sat upright and started to have a lucid conversation with the doctor and talk about the weather. And, and, and the doctors like, you know, nearly was scared out of their clothes uh, as, because they're not expecting this. And, uh, and so they brought the speech pathologists in. They checked his speech. He could talk fluently. They brought uh, the physios in, tested the strength in his body. Literally within 30 minutes of that prayer from head to toe and to this day, all uh, 12, over 12 months later, he's been completely and totally healed in the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, the name of Jesus works. And he was so miraculous. They, they brought him a, 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 a bottle for him to go to the toilet. He says, no, thank you. Got up out of the bed, walked to the toilet. There, there was an interesting sight from the backside, but that's all good. And, uh, and he went to the toilet. That Sunday, he was on the prayer line at our church, laying hands upon sick people and praying for their healing. A lifestyle of miracles is the inheritance for every believer. And many believers see the miraculous as an exception and only exclusive to those who carry, you know, a mic and get to travel around and do stuff uh, like this. But when in reality, Jesus said, even greater works than these will you do. He actually wants you as a follower of Christ to the normal Christian life is a supernatural life. In Mark chapter 8, Jesus has just performed a miracle of multiplication. 4,000 people gathered for three days to actually hear Jesus teach. Most Aussie believers can't have 30 minutes of teaching. And these believers, 4,000 plus, for three days are hanging on every word. There's no 7-Eleven. There's no cafe. There's no Baker's Delight. And so now we got a problem, right? We got 4,000 people, that, and, and even, you know, listen to Jesus' teaching. How do we know? You get hungry after three days. And so they're hungry. The disciples are getting restless. What are we going to do? And so they see 4,000 people. They see seven loaves, three fish. The disciples see a problem. Jesus sees 4,000 people, seven loaves, and three fish. He sees an opportunity for the kingdom of heaven to break in. And so what you need to understand about the miracle mindset is that it sees solutions where others see problems. The Bible says in verse 16 that the disciples began discussing with one another the fact that they had no bread. And the interesting thing is they're talking about the lack of bread when the bread of life is standing in front of them. Jesus said in John 6:35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger 
or thirst. We need to get a fresh revelation of who we are in relationship with. We need to ask God to give us a, a deeper encounter with Him of who we're actually in relationship with so that when we are in moments of lack, we see our lack through heaven's perspective. I remember hearing a father talk about the first time his foster kids came to the house and came to the dinner table and food came out on the table and he had his biological kids there and he had the foster kids there and because of the poverty that the foster kids had come from, as soon as they saw food, they just grabbed it, forget the cutlery, grabbed it with their hands, they're stuffing casserole in their face and, and they're grabbing everything, bread and, and sort of the, the rest of the family is just like, whoa, they're, they're sitting back watching and, and they're watching kids who don't understand, hey, there's more than enough food at the table because your father, your foster carer actually has more than enough to look after you. And so the biological kids understood there's always more in the kitchen. There's always more in the fridge. And when it comes to us spiritually, People who have an orphan spirit approach uh, life and problems with a lack mindset. They, we start to act like beggars that are desperate for the scraps from the master's table. And I want to tell you today that the Lord doesn't want you and I to be beggars uh, just simply, you know, begging for the scraps when there is a feast that God has prepared for us in the presence of our enemies. The Bible says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. So if God can prepare a table for you in the presence of your worst enemy, including Satan himself, he can prepare a feast for you, he can look after you, and he can provide for you, but you've got to see your lack through heaven's lens, through heaven's perspective. Every problem in your life is an opportunity for God to show himself strong on your behalf. So when I face a situation, maybe I feel lonely, I'm traveling, or maybe there's some lack in the church in a particular ministry, or, or, or maybe that there's a sickness or an issue in our family. I ask the question, God, whom do you want to be for me right now? Not God, why aren't you coming through? right? But who do you want to be for me right now? And, and so if you're in financial lack, God, who do you want to be for me right now? I want to be Jehovah Jireh, your provider. There's a sickness. Uh, God, who do you want to be for me right now? I want to be uh, Jehovah, your healer. Every problem, every issue in your life, there is a corresponding solution in the Word of God. And, and if you're going to begin to develop a miracle mindset to see miracles break out, what you're going to do, and this is what I do, is I go to the Word and I find a Rhema-inspired Word in Scripture, and I begin to confess it, I begin to declare it, I begin to walk in it, I begin to talk about it, I begin to make it part of my world until that area of lack and problem and issue corresponds to the reality of what is going on in heaven. This is the miracle mindset. Not only that, the miracle mindset approaches earthly realities from a heavenly perspective. You would have heard a saying, oh, that person is so heavenly minded, they're of no earthly use. Uh, I think the opposite is true. I think that you and I, most of us are, are guilty of being so earthly minded, we're of no heavenly use. Romans 8.32 Amazing passage of Scripture says, He who did not spare his own son, how will he not also graciously give us all things? 
Now, everyone, you need to really listen, concentrate, because once God gave you and I Jesus, you've lost every right to begin any thought process with lack. Because he, God the Father, did not withhold his very best, his one and only son, the darling of heaven, for your eternal life, for your salvation. Why are you doubting him for your school, your, your, your children's school fees? Why are you doubting him about the seed you need to start that business? Why are you doubting him about a covenant of healing for your body? You cannot, once you come into a revelation that God has given you everything that you need, Peter says, that pertains to life and godliness, and once you recognize that he's given everything that you need through Christ, then any thought of lack will have to be repented of. Because God can't build anything in his kingdom of substance from a mindset of lack. What does Matthew 7, 11 says? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things and the Holy Spirit to those who ask? And so, you know, nearly 20 years ago when my wife and I, we planted a church and we planted with 11 others in our lounge room uh, at that time. And the lead, one of the leaders of our movement in Victoria I uh, went to him, we said, we're going to plant a church, awesome, great, here's $2,000, a kiss on the cheek, and all the best. And literally, this is what he said to me. He said, sink or swim, all the best, and he, he left. This is, that's literally what he said. And, you know, these days, you've got to prop young church planters up with, you know, a quarter of a million dollars and, you know, building this and make that happen, and, and it's all amazing, and, and praise God for that, because how many of us know you can do more with more, but, you know, what I saw as a disadvantage 20 years ago actually was the, the very thing that taught me to live a life of faith. My theories are not theories, they're tested. <laughs> I've seen the miraculous in provision. And so one of the initial things that really began to teach me to trust God in, with resource and finance, and I'm going to share some of these stories because I believe the Lord wants to increase uh, the, 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 the holy profit margins of this house and of businesses, and I believe the Lord wants to stir faith in you to believe for miraculous provision in the coming days. Um, and so there we were, and we're bumping in uh, all of our production equipment, and, uh, and we had like six cars that was transporting all of the production equipment around, to, and, and it got so bad one Sunday that uh, one of the team, their car broke down, so they hauled a, a fallback speaker onto the train and took the train to the nearest station to the church, and I knew this is not going well. And so the natives were getting restless, wanting to crucify their pastor because he wasn't solving the problem. And so I got on my face like, like Oliver Twist begging God, didn't have a full revelation of, of the fullness of who God is. And I'm on my office floor and I'm crying out to God because we saw a secondhand beaten up truck for $10,000. We didn't have any money in the church. We'd been to, we were just scraping by with offerings to pay for rent and a little bit of a, a salary for me. And it was very early days. And I'm begging and crying and weeping and gnashing of teeth and, and, and the Lord Lord just stops me and says, son, uh, get up, right? Stop this rubbish. And that's how God speaks to me sometimes. Stop this nonsense. Um, I, I, I want to I resolve this issue. And this is what he said to me. He said, by this time 
tomorrow night you'll have the money in your hand. I looked at my watch. It was uh, 5 p.m. And I said, okay, Lord, that's what you said. Now, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to go and I want you to meet this particular man. I'd never met him before. He had never met me. I didn't know whether he knew of me, but I knew of him from another person. And he said, I want you to go book an appointment tomorrow and I want you to build a relationship and I don't want you to go and prophesy over him. I don't want you to go ask him for money. I want you to go and encourage him in his business. And so I rang. I didn't know if he's got time tomorrow. I rang and I said, hey, who I am? Introduced myself. And I said, hey, is there any chance of having an appointment with this uh, particular person tomorrow? And they said, yeah, at 4 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. Isn't that the way God works? <laughs> so I show up and, and, I'm, and I'm, you know, and now I'm starting to doubt, you know, now I'm thinking, Oh, I might just, you know, offer some Christian hints, you know, so some sympathy vote hints about how he could help the kingdom, you know, out. And, and I don't even know whether he attends a church or whether he, I, I had an inkling he was a, a believer, but I didn't know anything other than that. Sat down and 50 minutes goes by, nothing happens. So you can imagine, have you been there full of faith and then by the end faith has leaked out everywhere and, 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 and so on there. And all of a sudden... Um, I'm thinking we're finishing up this appointment and, and I'm disappointed and I'm doing my best to be all chipper and happy and, and uh, I get up to leave. He goes, where are you going? I said, oh, sir, sorry, I thought we're finished. He said, sit down. I said, yes, sir. And he goes to, calls his uh, secretary, administrator, and says, bring me my checkbook. True story. Immediately, my heart rate went to 180 beats per minute. And I began to prophesy in my head, $1 million in Jesus' name. I saw a whole fleet of trucks, right? I'm like, man, this is payday. This is going to be awesome. And so I'm there. And literally in front of my eyes, I saw him write out a check for $10,000, the exact amount that the Lord said by this time tomorrow. As he handed it to me, I looked at my watch and it was 4.58 p.m., I can't tell you what that did for my faith. Because as a young church planter, I could go back to our team and say, look what God has done. And then when we needed to believe for $100,000 to fit out part of our building, and the Lord said to me, um, after two hours of prayer, I want you to run from Sydney to Melbourne, true story, to raise the money, get sponsors. And then after we ran 1,172 kilometers, true story, we called it Run Past the Run instead of Run Forest Run from Forest Gum. And I ran 1,172 kilometers in a four-man relay. I ran over 700 kilometers of that in 13 days, right? We raised $160,000 in two weeks, okay? Now my faith is higher. Then when we needed a, a, a million dollars, or $2 million for our, you know, vision offering this and that. Now I can believe for that because I believe God for the 10,000. I believe God for the 100,000. Now I'm believing for the one and two. And now that comes in. And now we're about to look at redeveloping our property, which is about $130 million redevelopment. How many so you better have faith for that, baby. You can't just roll up and go, where's the $10,000? But, but often we want to go from zero to 100, but God is actually teaching you how to develop a miracle mindset where the only way to get increase is to steward what is in your hand. 
right? And as you begin to see things from heaven's perspective, earth's realities begin to change. It begins to resolve. Now, there are two mindsets that Jesus warns us against if we are going to live a supernatural life. It's the mindset of religion and it's the mindset or the spirit of politics, a political spirit. He, he, we know this because he says it in the text, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, religious leaders, and beware of the leaven of King Herod, a political leader. And he says this in the context of a discussion around bread and leaven. Now, when he's talking about leaven, he's talking about worldview, mindsets, paradigms. What are they? They are thought patterns that we have. In the natural, heat will activate whatever leaven is in the dough. So too, when the pressures of life come against you, whatever thought patterns or paradigms that you have, you will default to when stress comes against you. Have you noticed that? You tend to default maybe to an irritable spirit or you get a bit narky and you get a bit annoyed when pressure comes and things come your way. What are you doing? You're defaulting to what you really believe. You're defaulting to what you really think about how life should work. Jesus says, if you are going to live in the miracle of what you've just seen with the feeding of the 4,000, you've got to guard against a religious and a political mindset. A religious mindset says this, it's okay to believe in God as long as it's from a distance and that belief is impersonal and powerless. Religion is impersonal and powerless. It has no power to actually transform miraculously a situation. It observes things externally but has no internal relationship. That's religion. The political mindset doesn't mind you having a nominal faith in God, but don't let your faith determine the decisions you make in the public square. We don't mind you going and practicing your faith behind closed doors and in the private closet of your life. Just don't you dare bring your value system and your faith into the public square. That's a political spirit. Both of these mindsets are motivated by the fear of man. And we know that because the Bible says that the Pharisees refused to answer Jesus' question lest the crowd turn on them. What's that? The fear of man. Then we know that Pilate crucified Jesus without any evidence lest the Jews go and complain to Caesar. What is it? It's the fear of man. The fear of man cannot access the power of God because it doesn't believe Jesus is enough. It believes somehow we've got to add something to it. And what fear will do is it will legitimize any, uh, it will attract whatever information is needed to legitimize its existence. Have you noticed sometimes the very thing you fear comes on you? That's why the moment when I hear of someone else's sickness, illness, or, 
or, or some situation, tragedy that's going on, the moment that happens and the enemy you know, will attack you and say, that's going to happen to you too. I step back and I said, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. You've got to take captive that thought and you've got to stop that thought in its tracks. Otherwise, the very thing you fear will often come on you. And the Bible says in Romans 14, 23, whatever doesn't proceed from faith is sin. So if you and I in this day and age are actually going to move in the miraculous, we've got to guard our hearts according to Jesus from this mindset and this spirit that would be see Jesus as impersonal and distant from us or that our faith politically, the political mindset, our faith has no bearing on our everyday lives. You see, the miracle mindset begins every thought process with fullness, not lack. What did Jesus say? Is this helping anyone tonight? What did Jesus say in verse 17? He said, do you not yet perceive? Do you not yet understand? Why are you discussing the fact that you have no bread? What is he doing? He's confronting their thinking not to shame them, but to train them to think like God. One of the common questions that people have in the Australian church is, why don't we see more miracles? I believe that Jesus gives us an indicator of why that is. It's because of hard hearts. The disciples, for all of what they've seen, the miraculous, their hearts are still hardened. That's why Jesus said to them, are your hearts hardened? When we fail to, to partner with what God's doing in, in the supernatural realm, it's because we've allowed doubt to harden our hearts. There's a lady by the name of Evelyn and she was a medical doctor and uh, her kids had been witnessing to her for years and she had resisted coming to church, never made a decision. And uh, Evelyn uh, herself got diagnosed with two cancerous tumours, one the size of a golf ball in her neck and one uh, a bit smaller on her shoulder. And this got her attention. She knew what this meant. She had all the tests and it was not good. And so through this process, her heart got softened towards the things of God. She ended up coming to one of our locations when my wife and I were preaching there one Sunday. And the first person at the altar call was Evelyn. She gave her heart to Jesus. And then her kids were there and they're all weeping and been praying for years. And we prayed for her and they told us this story of these diagnosis of these tumors. And we prayed and all that stuff that we're doing tonight, we declared over her healing in Jesus' name. Well, several weeks later, she turned up to one of our uh, revival nights that we were running. This happened uh, three, four years ago. And uh, she walked up to me and she said, I was a skeptic, but now I'm a believer. And I said, tell me your story. And I love that you guys do that. You, you get people to share stories. And I love, because what that, it builds expectation and faith, right? And she goes, hey, I was such a skeptic, but you know, I genuinely gave my heart to Jesus. But then I went after you prayed and went to my doctor, my specialist, and she said, I'm a medical doctor. I understand what this all means. And they tested and they discovered that the cancerous tumors had completely disappeared and left her body. And she said, no, that can't be true. Tested again. And they test again, completely gone. And they, she goes, no, it can't be true. Test it again. Then the doctor said, I'm telling you, we can, but the, the equipment's working. It is no longer there. And she came up, she said, I was a skeptic, but now I'm a believer. And 
as she's sharing it, it's like she's actively repenting. She's repenting of being a skeptic and saying, now I believe that Jesus is real and that he actually heals people. And the Bible says in Matthew 4, 17, uh, Jesus came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, the kingdom of heaven and all of its miraculous signs and wonders are inaccessible if we don't engage repentance. And what repentance is, is a change of thinking. See, what I'm doing tonight and what your pastors are trying to do every time they get up and preach the word is to actually build within you a heart and a mindset that isn't just come to a meeting and receive something, but leave a meeting and take the glory of God and the miracle working power with you. I, I want to try and empower you and equip you so that this is not the ceiling, this is the floor. And over the coming weeks and months and years, God catapults you forward because no longer is it just come and receive something, but it's now, I am the walking miracle. I am now, wherever I go, miracles are about to break out. I just expect, I was at 7-Eleven the other week, and I love it, I was talking to Sandra, and she was sharing uh, today, was it, that she was at the the shopping plaza and just started witnessing to people because of just the the anointing that she felt last night. And I said, that's what happens. It gets on you, and things change, right? And I bet you, over the next few days, the stories, the testimonies, and so there I was just a few weeks ago, 7-Eleven, and out hobbles a lady out of her car with a moon boot, and as soon as I saw her, the whole Holy Spirit said to me, you know what to do. Yes, I do. And so she hobbles in and she's, you know, and hop along Cassidy and, and she walks into the petrol station. I go in and I pay my bill and I'm like, what happened to you? This doesn't look good. This is what you got to do. You got to be normal. You got to not be, oh, oh, Jesus and Jesus and Jesus and Jesus. No, don't do that right? What happened to you? This doesn't look good. She said, I fractured my foot. I said, that's not good at all. And I said, you know, where are you at? What stage? What process? I I showed a genuine interest in her. God cares about her, not just about me getting another testimony. Cares about the person, right? How did Jesus move in the miraculous with the the feeding of the 5,000? He was moved with compassion, Bible says he saw that they were like sheep without a shepherd. He was moved with compassion and then he healed their sick. When your heart breaks for the things that break the heart of God, you become a miracle worker. You move in signs and wonders. It's not just faith and hype up. It's carrying the heart of the Father for people. And so she said, and I said, and I said, hey, uh, what's your name? She said, Rosemary. I said, Rosemary. I said, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I believe Jesus can do something about your foot. And she's like, oh, great, I've been to church once before. I said, well, you need to come back again. I said, would you be okay if I prayed with you? And, uh, I, and she, she looked at me a bit weird and said, oh, okay. And, and I said, look, I've got to pay my bill, but I'll be with you just in a sec. This is all happening in 7-Eleven, right? So I turn, I pay my bill. Meanwhile, Rosemary's hob- hobbling out of the 7-Eleven because of the crazy dude, right? And so I'm chasing her. I say, Rosemary and time. I'm over here. Come over here. And, uh, and so I walk. I said, come here. I said, don't run away. I said, you're doing all right for a fractured foot. And uh, the healing's already working. And, and I said, hey, 
hey, I, would you be okay? I'm just going to put a gentle hand just on your moon boot. Is that okay if I do that? Yeah, of course. So we start to pray. She's got her eyes open. I, I, I've got my eyes open. You don't need to close your eyes all the time. The power's not in your eyes. <laughs> or, or, not, or closing your eyes. The power is in the name of Jesus. And so we just begin to pray. She goes, my foot's heating up. I go, that's probably a good sign. It's working. And, uh, and you've got to have fun with it. And I'm just like, hey, well, how are you feeling? Try and move your ankle around. She goes, it's actually starting to feel better. She, and she says, it just feels like it's on fire. I said, that's the presence of Jesus. That's the love of Jesus. He loves you. And I believe he's healing your foot. And I said, hey, um, I, I pastor a church in the city, but there are lots of great churches all around this area, I'd encourage you to get to a church. And uh, if we can help you in any way, let us know. And she goes, you know, my foot is starting to feel better. Now, I didn't see the full outcome of the miracle and the this and that and the scan and the test. But I'm telling you, a miracle mindset can work in one minute or it can work in nights of fire on the sunny coast at C3 Powerhouse. God is wanting to take... He asked to take his power to the streets. Miracles become normal when our minds are renewed to think like God. You see, God can do more with your little than you can do with much. Look at, we're going to finish in a moment, but look at the economy of the kingdom. Look at kingdom mathematics. In verse 19, he says, When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you take up? They said to him, seven. And he said to them, do you not yet understand? You say, Pastor Corey, what are you getting at? Well, when Jesus fed the most people, he started with the least amount of food but I ended up with the most leftovers. Starting with more is not an advantage in the kingdom of God. Little turns into much when you put your loaves and fishes in God's hands. I remember I was preaching on faith at a church in Ballarat, regional Victoria, and I was asking people to come down the front and respond and people had needs. I said, let's step out in faith. And as I'm about to start the altar call, the Lord says, answer your own altar call. Don't you hate it when God preaches your sermon back to you? So it's not loud. He says, answer your own altar call. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, you have a need in your life. You've been believing for a house. He said, answer your own altar call. So literally, I hopped off the platform, the whole altar's full, and, and they're all waiting for the pastor to lead them, and I just lift my hands with them, and we're just standing there like this, and, and I'm like, Lord, what do you want me to do now? He goes, start to pray, and began to pray, God, I just bring to you this need, this desire that my family has, to, and people start to pray, and then I got up and finished the altar call. As I'm there in that altar call, the Spirit of God says to me, because it's one thing to ask God to break through in your life. Then when he asks you to do something, you've got to be obedient to that. He says to me, I want you to sell your bike. Now, that would not be, not, I'm talk, not talking motorbike, I'm talking, uh, I used to race uh, bicycles, bi uh, bikes, and my bike is worth like $13,000, okay? It's not your normal push bike. And, and I'm in love with that thing. 
It's nearly an idol, right, in my life. <laughs> nearly, close. Right, my wife is a bit concerned about this affair that's developing with this bike, you know. And, and, and so I want you to sell your bike and I want you to give the proceeds of the sale to this person. Number one, I don't want to sell my bike. Number two, I definitely don't want to give it to them because <laughs> they don't need it. That's why some of you don't give into offerings because you think that they don't need it. That's not the principle. Principle is obedience and honor. And some of us are actually stopping and limiting the breakthrough and the miracle that God wants to bring into our lives because we're not willing to be obedient. And he goes, I want you to sell your bike and I want you to give the money to this person. I wrestled with that for six weeks. In fact, it was when we were up here in Noosa on holidays with the family in the middle of the year that I'm there having my devotions one day and finally my will broke and I said, all right, as soon as I get back, we're going to send this. So there's, Noosa has miraculous powers, <laughs> right? It really does, doesn't it, Pastor John? It really does. There's a lot of powerful people there. And so, uh, so there, then, then I come back, I, sell, I, I take the bike to the dealership and, and, the, and, and bike traders and the guy goes, oh, um, don't expect anything too soon. These things generally don't sell for, you know, up to six months. And I said, I said, well, I really feel like this is going to sell in the next week. He, he laughed. He's, he's, he, it won't sell. Five days, he calls me. He goes, I cannot believe it, right? Because this is how God works, right? I cannot believe it. He goes, we've sold it, and we've sold it just under what uh, you, you um, bought it for. And he goes, come pick up the, the money. So I came pick up the money, put it all in an envelope, and drove around to this person's house and uh, blessed them. And it, there was no gritting teeth or reluctance. And I just said, hey, for whatever this is for, I just feel the Lord wants me to sow this into your life. Less than six months later, God brought into my wife and our life a $300,000 miracle that was prophesied by Dr. Michael Maiden, who prophesied over my wife, there is a miracle house that is coming and God is going to miraculously provide and when this breakthrough happened, the Lord said to me, he said, everything that's happening right now in this area of your life, this miracle house came because you're obedient with the little that you put into my hands. I want to tell somebody today, little is much in God's hands. In your hands, it's a few loaves and a few fish. But you put it into God's hands, he'll multiply it. He'll take it and he'll use it to be a blessing in somebody else's life. I'll tell you one more story and then we'll open up the altars and pray. A lady called for an Uber uh, in um, downtown Richmond and uh, she requested to go to a medical clinic. And um, she hops into the car and one of our church members happened to be driving this Uber vehicle. And she's got, uh, hobbled in with a walking stick, had all these medical issues and going for an appointment and um, the uh, uh, driver said to her, um, you know, tell me about your medical condition and because they'd build a rapport quite quick. And I generally don't encourage our congregational members to ask too many probing questions. But he was just there. And, and uh, so she began to say, and he said, you know what? You need to get down to Numa Church because they've got a prayer meeting tonight and people are getting healed down there. And, and she's not a believer. 
And she goes, really? He goes, yeah, you need to get down there. She, and she goes, from the back of the car, she says, well, why don't you take me around there now before I go to the doctor and let's see what happens, right? <laughs> True story. So she rolls in and we've trained our church that when you see a need, descend like wolves, if you know what I'm talking about, right? So literally about 15 people sees her come in with a walking stick. They descend on her like the zoo at feeding time and, you know, <laughs> laying hands, introduce them, lay hands, anoint with oil, UV, you know, hatch, match and dispatch before you get down to the altar, you know? And, and so she, she, she comes in and she starts to receive prayer in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. Within 20 minutes... She's throwing away her walking stick. She's walking freely across. We start rejoicing. We start praising God. This was, um, this was I think, Wednesday night. You were there. Uh, I think your dad prayed for her. And, uh, and uh, she starts walking around. We're rejoicing. She's not even saved yet. <laughs> She's not baptized in the Spirit. She hasn't prayed any prayer. She just came with childlike faith. And because people had developed a miracle mindset, a culture and expectation and faith, that we serve a miracle working God, something changed. The story doesn't end there. She comes back Sunday morning with her partner that she's been living with for years, not married. They both give their hearts to Jesus in the service, right? By that afternoon, my EA Kai and I are walking across the road for lunch to get a bite to eat before the afternoon services. Who is bounding down the road in her workout gear, crop top and all, it was a bit out there, and she's bounding down the road with the biggest smile on her face, literally three or four days after somebody had prayed for her, she says, hi, pastor, see you at church tonight, and she's running down the road. And as I walk past, just in my spirit, I'm like, God, you're doing it again. You've done it again. I want to invite you to stand on your feet right now because the Lord wants to do it again in your life. He wants to move again in your life. And if you're here tonight, you say, I need a miracle. I am believing for a miracle. And I mean, something serious is going on. And maybe you need a miracle when it comes to your mental health, a miracle when it comes to your marriage, a miracle when it comes to your business, a miracle when it comes to your health. I want to invite you to get out from where you are. And just for a few minutes, we're not going to take long, but I'm just going to pray for you. If that's you and you say, I need a miracle, why don't you just come right now and we are going to begin to contend and believe for the miraculous power of God to move in your life tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite you just to lift your hands. You've heard the word of the Lord. You've seen miracles already tonight. You've heard testimonies and stories, stroke victims being healed, miracles of provision, supernatural breakthrough. The Lord now wants you by faith to receive your miracle. And so I want to invite you right now, and we're all going to do this together, to begin to lift your voice and ask Jesus for what it is that you need breakthrough in. What is it that you need breakthrough in? Come on, you, confess it. Lift your voice right now. And if we're all speaking, you don't need to worry about what people are saying around you. Right now, just begin to ask God, what is it? What is it that you're believing for? What is it that you're believing for? 
What is it that you're asking for right now? Father, right now, as we come to you, O God, with hearts full of faith, and we are coming to you, O God, with expectation. We are coming to you, O God, with specific requests. We're not coming to you as orphans. We're not coming to you as beggars. We're not coming to you, O God, desperately hoping for the scraps from your table. We are coming to you as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We're coming to you as a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I ask right now, O God, that you would fill our minds, that you would fill our hearts with the fullness of heaven. He who did not spare his own son, how will he not graciously give us all things? Oh, Lord, right now I pray, let faith arise in this room. Let the gift of faith arise in this room. Let the gift of faith arise in this room. Let the gift of faith rise in your heart right now. God, we believe. We fix our eyes upon you. I'm believing tonight that couples who have been without children, that in Jesus' name, your bodies will be able to conceive and have children in the name of Jesus. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for a supernatural breakthrough. I declare, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply in the name of Jesus. Father, we come against financial lack. We speak, open the windows of heaven. Open the vaults of heaven, O God. Father, we just speak to every petition, every desire, every need. Come on, keep praying. Keep praying right now. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we release miracles, signs, and wonders. Father, I thank you right now, oh God, for miracles of multiplication, miracles of provision, miracles of healing, miracles of, of, of sickness being totally healed tonight in Jesus' name. The power and anointing of the Spirit of God right now in Jesus' name. Come on, keep praying, keep praying. Let's sing over him again. Sing over him again. Kia takaraba yasudakia.